Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we are discussing themes of eating disorders, especially in regards to anorexia, binge eating and bulimia. If this is something that does affect you, um, you can find help through Mindwell, which is a great local website um, that has all sorts of resources. There's also the national eating disorder charity Beat, which has some great resources. And you can also look on our website, leadsmind.org.uk. Welcome to Lincoln Leads, a podcast about sharing stories, connecting people and improving our well-being. Each week we'll talk to someone new and gain insight into how they manage their well-being. So, let's get started. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Lincoln Leads podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, and with me today is, well, I'll let you introduce yourself. Shannon, do you want to introduce yourself? Yep. Hi, everyone. My name's Shannon. Um, I'm a people officer at Leeds Mind, and I'm really excited to be here. I've listened to almost all the episodes now um, after being recommended by a colleague. And yeah, it's brilliant. So I'm very excited to get going. We're so glad to have you here. We are always looking for amazing people to come on to share in it. It's even better when they've listened to the podcast and got a feel for it. But no, it's great to have you. So, Shannon, do you want to tell us a little bit more as to, well, maybe what, what attracted you to come on today and to, to talk to us on, on the podcast? Yeah, so as interesting as the work I do can be, um, I actually really wanted to come on to chat about um, something that I'm very passionate about, which is um, eating disorder recovery and awareness. I've been in recovery for about a year after struggling with an eating disorder for probably about 17 years. And what I'm really passionate about is raising awareness for those of us who maybe don't look like your typical eating disorder sufferer. I think there is an idea that it's all got to be kind of white, young teenage girls who are underweight. And that's not the case. Anyone can suffer with an eating disorder. And yeah, so I'm, I'm really passionate about speaking about that and hoping we can explore more of that today. Fantastic, and, and the passion just comes through. It's good to have someone on to want to share and speak about this and hopefully have someone who's listening who is experiencing that and, and connect with it. For those people who maybe don't know what you mean by like eating disorder or, or what that might entail, do you have any kind of generic information that you can maybe hand out to give people an intro into it? Yeah, so I think... In a nutshell, an eating disorder is a disordered relationship with food. So I think the one most people know about is anorexia, which is kind of categorized by people restricting their food intake, um, kind of quite severe weight loss, sometimes over exercising. You've also got bulimia. I think another one a lot of people know about, which is a cycle of binging and purging. And that purging could be, you know, through vomiting, laxatives, exercise, all different things. But there's also, you know, binge eating disorder, which is one of the disorders I've been in treatment for. And I think, yeah, there's all, well, all sorts, really, you know, you don't have to have a specific diagnosis either to have an eating disorder. Anyone can have disordered eating. Very much. And I like what you said there. Well, a few things. First of all, eating disorder incorporates so many different categories of mm. disorders we said there, you know, things like anorexia, bulimia, all, all sorts of different 
signs and symptoms that might be affecting everyone, but also you mentioned how it can affect anyone. It doesn't specifically address one person. Science has said that the majority of people might be affected, might be uh, young young women, but still that doesn't mean other people don't express or or feel that. Yeah, and I think the problem might be that those statistics might not be quite accurate Mm. because maybe it's just young women that come forward. You know, how about we had a 50-year-old man who had an eating disorder, he's probably not going to go out there and access help or admit to himself that he has an eating disorder. So you've kind of got to take those stats with a pinch of salt, I think, because um, you only find out if people are willing to talk about it, which is the biggest hurdle in recovery. (laughs) You know, that's the first huge thing is talking about it. Very much so. And it's almost that vicious cycle of if we assume only certain people are affected by it, then we start to feel shameful when we don't fit that box and start experiencing it our, ourselves. Yeah. Don't know if you've ever seen the, there's a great documentary by Freddie Flintoff living with bulimia yeah. that talks more about him and talks about how, you know, he's a very, appears to be a very happy-go-lucky individual, a very tall man who is, is kind of coming to terms with what you mentioned earlier about this obsessive exercise and then this kind of mm. cycle that goes through of binging or, or, or trying to kind of exercise that off and, and how that makes him feel. Yeah. But as interesting as that is, though, I'm, I'm interested more into how, how you felt and you experienced it. I mean, you, you mentioned you've been in, in recovery for a little while now. Mm. Yeah, so I um, have had an eating disorder for about 17 years. Um, it started when I was really young. And at the time, I didn't even really know what it was. Um, I saw something on the news and they mentioned anorexia. And in my young 11 year old mind, I thought, oh, okay, so, you know, you stop eating and you get skinny and then you look good. And that's cool. Yeah. Sign me up. (laughs) Um, So I didn't really understand that what I was really doing, but it really got its hooks into me. And then I remember a few years later, I read an article in a magazine about um, pro-Anna websites. I don't know if you've heard of them. They were rife um, back when I was younger, you know, before I think the Internet wasn't quite regulated back then. And and that was really the start of a complete downward spiral for me for years and years and years. Um, You know, these websites, people encouraging each other to engage in these behaviours. You'd post your weight and if you gained weight, people would. I think they used to call it flaming. They would, you know, tell you off for gaining weight. Um, so it was awful for a teenager to be going through all of that and have probably a lot of grown women on the internet telling me, well, this is how you do it, you know, giving each other tips and tricks. Um, so, yeah, really struggled all through my teens. But again, it it wasn't as clear cut as having the eating disorder, getting treatment and getting better. It, it kind of ebbs and flows. And I think it does for a lot of people. I wasn't always disordered um I wasn't always losing weight or, you know there were times when I was doing really well um but I kind of always came back to it and then it was um really the pandemic that kicked things into overdrive um I'd done a lot of work on getting better but I think for most people um being so isolated really just wasn't very good for me and um there was one day that I just kind of hit breaking point and I thought right I need to stop this now and I contacted Insight Eating who are a local eating disorder service and uh, 
yeah, started treatment. Thankfully, I can get treated privately. Um, my dad has very kindly agreed to pay for it because, again, not everyone's that privileged. There's a lot of waiting lists. There's a lot of criteria if you want to, um, you know, go through the NHS. So thankfully, I was lucky enough that um, my dad has supported me to get that treatment. And yeah, I've been in it for a year and I have learned so much. And it's been the best thing I ever did. Um, truly, like, couldn't have imagined how good it would be so that's yeah my story in a nutshell really <laughs> an amazing story that the the story of well a few things you mentioned there like recognizing the external influences that would that was pushing their behavior forward like those pro those pro anorexic websites and the way people would respond to that but then also how it didn't just develop overnight it was like a long-term condition that you you struggled with and then eventually reaching out and, and gaining that support to change and to move forward from it in terms of that first step you took to reach out for support I mean I think you mentioned you, your father there kind of supporting and helping how did that feel kind of reaching out and, and expressing that to people it was so scary um I think a lot of people in my life knew that I'd struggled with an eating disorder but because again, like I said, it's so fluid. So when it started, it probably was closer to anorexia. Then it became, you know, quite severe bulimia. And then I was at a space where I had managed to stop the purging side of bulimia and it developed more into binge eating disorder, which I think there's so much stigma around binge eating disorder, especially when you're overweight, you know, which I am and accessing help when you don't look like you have an eating disorder as the media um, would try and push on us. It was really hard and um, also admitting to people how bad it was. Um, I was terrified to tell my dad. I think I like burst into tears on the phone and was just like, I need your help. Um, I'm also really lucky to have an amazing partner and she also helped me to kind of, yeah, find that bravery within myself to access it. Um, and I think having her really helped because I was not just you know doing I'm not I wasn't doing it for someone else because at the end of the day you have to do it for yourself but I knew I wasn't alone so I had my partner my dad I had some amazing friends and family but that first step of actually speaking it into existence is terrifying um and I think from there it just got easier <laughs> it is terrifying that first step and I really do believe that connection is the way the way forward with a lot of this stuff and finding that that support. We had um, James Barry from Forward Leads on on the last week's episode, and he said an amazing quote about, uh, and this is obviously specific to um, addiction, but I still I still think it's valid here. Is that the opposite of addiction is connection, and I think the I think the opposite of a lot of poor mental health is, is connection you know reaching out there supporting one another and finding out that you are not alone in, in this that there is others who experience and can help and, and can support with it in terms of either yourself or, or maybe others is there any barriers that you think would stop people reaching out i mean you mentioned there that there was almost like a fear of, of what you might say to your dad or what you might say in response yeah I think it's that stigma is the biggest step. Um, like I said, being overweight, a lot of people probably don't associate that with having having an eating disorder. Um, I have definitely experienced a lot of fat phobia in my life. Um, so it was it was really hard to actually 
accept within myself and say I do have an eating disorder it's just as valid as someone who's underweight and I deserve just as much help but then also the you know the stigma with other people are they going to accept this are they just going to think I, you know I think there's this this idea that people who are overweight are just lazy and just need to eat less but um I've actually been met with so much support um so yeah it was but definitely the stigma and I've also experienced quite a lot of stigma through medical professionals which put me off for a long time so when when I was really poorly uh, with bulimia I had a lot of kind of internal damage and um, I had to go and have a consultation with a surgeon um, and he weighed me in the session even though I asked him not to um, and told me my weight and then um, said to me well I'm not going to do the surgery that I'd usually do what I want to do is is fit you with a gastric sleeve and I was like, hang on a minute, that's completely different to what I came in here for. Um, basically, I had a, a hiatus hernia, so not what I was expecting. And he just kind of turned to me and went, well, don't you want to be skinny? Isn't that the point of all of this? Um, and this will fix the problem you've got as well as make you lose weight. And I just remember walking out of there and thinking like, oh, my God, like if I can't go to a medical professional with this, you know, where can I go? I've also been told by um you know people medical professionals that I wasn't underweight enough to access help um you know lose some weight and then we'll be able to treat you so there's also a lot of stigma in the industry as well um which can be a huge barrier you know I tried to access help twice and was almost like turned away or, or pushed away by that so yeah it can be a huge barrier for people I think um if the people that are supposed to help them aren't I have experienced what you mentioned there about speaking with clinicians about weight and, and negative impact of on, on self-image. For, for listeners who obviously have never seen me or never listened to me, I am a large gentleman and I have medically overweight for most of my life. And I've had a very similar experience to yourself where I've, I've reached out to a GP for a checkup. I wasn't feeling great. I didn't know what the issue was. I wanted to find out what it is. And I went there and similar to yourself, I was I was weighed and the, the first response instantly was, Well, you are you are obese, you are obese, you need to lose this weight, get rid of it and and solve solve the problem and, and despite this back and forth of saying well, I have done for many years, I do this for, for many years, it just felt very dismissive and very focused on that. And don't get me wrong, I, I do not undermine the connection between our living a healthy lifestyle and the impact of that but certainly like you said it's the it's almost the underlying message of that of, of need to lose weight to be valued or to be healthy or to to do this um and i think that is certainly a contributor to to why this rise in eating disorders in in the, in the uk and why it's impacting millions of, of i think the stats are somewhere between 1.25 to 3.4 million people in the UK are affected by some kind of, of eating disorder with, I think, a, a, a slight rise in, in males as well, as we mentioned earlier about the uh, the the usual stigma that, or the usual generalisation that it's just young females that go through it as, as well. Is, is there where we can tackle that? How do we tackle this stigma, this, this way of moving forward? Well, I think I think training for medical professionals is so important. I'm sure I read somewhere that, um, you know, someone training to be a doctor might only spend kind of like a week learning about eating disorders, um, which just to me doesn't seem like enough time to really understand the complexities of it. 
Um, I actually did, though, you know, have a really good experience recently with a GP um, at my surgery. And I went in, um, I had to have a blood test um, and he was going to do all the usual like health checkups. And when I told him I have an eating disorder, he said, well, would you like me to weigh you or would you rather just tell me what what you weighed at your last weigh in? And I was just like, oh, my God, this is the first time I've been asked if you know, if I wanted to be weighed, it's never been an option for me. And it was, it was a breath of fresh air to have this, you know, he was kind of a young man. And he just seemed really clued up on it. And he also asked me loads of questions, you know, how's your job? How's your lifestyle? Loads of stuff about mental health. And I kind of came away thinking, if everyone could be like that one GP, it would be so much easier for people to access help because he was so understanding. So you know, it's not that hard. It's not like they need to do like years and years of training, but just a bit more training, I guess, on how to deal with it and to handle it. Um, yeah, such a small change as well. That's such a small difference. Yeah, it was just, yeah, literally just asking me, do you want to be weighed um, or would you like to tell me? And it just changed my whole day. I was so scared going in there. I was like shaking, thinking, oh, my God, he's going to weigh me. And you know, what's it going to be? And is it going to be accurate? Because I've had a big meal and all of this that comes with having an eating disorder and getting weighed. And the minute he asked me, it was just like this sigh of relief and this huge weight taken off my shoulders. No pun intended. <laughs> is the challenge as well, that that connection of um, like with any, any other kind of mm. disorder, uh, it's we're surrounded by we're surrounded by food all, all the time. We're surrounded by people eating all the time and again in, in culture whether it be on social media or on tv there's always this talk about mm. weight loss and, and self-image and, and food whether that be good food junk food or the the access to food which seems to have, have got really quicker a lot more easier as life has gone on what, what is it like being being in, in recovery and kind of managing that have you noticed that these little things as you've gone on or is is there been a difference for you yeah, it's definitely really difficult um, because it is like having an addiction, especially in recovery for binge eating disorder. You know, it's it's treated very similarly to an addiction, except you can't give up food the way that someone who had a drug or alcohol addiction could go cold turkey. I can't just give up food. That would be, you know, a different kind of eating disorder. So it's really hard. And I think what's so frustrating about the media is They'll push us in one direction, say at Christmas, they'll go, overeat, indulge, eat what you want, it's Christmas, it's your treat. And then a couple of weeks later, it's like, you're disgusting, you've gained loads of weight, you better get in the gym. And they're playing us, the media are playing us to make more money and playing on our self-hatred and playing on, you know, the way that we perceive ourselves. Um, in my treatment, I have kind of been teaching myself and learning that there's no such thing as bad food no food is bad no food is inherently bad it's just the way you consume it right so um something i always say is there's food that's good for your body and there's food that's good for your mind and it's just about how you balance that so yeah i'm gonna have an ice cream sometimes because i want an ice cream and a healthy relationship with food is having that but but that's not what the media wants you to think you know they want you to be so guilty for eating that one ice cream that you go up and sign up to a gym membership and start paying 50 quid a month to work off your ice cream so um, it's really hard. It's everywhere. I don't think you realise how, you know, it's on the side of buses. It's on every time you open Instagram or Facebook, it's there. It can be in the office, you know, if there's an event on and there's a table full of food in front of you. For someone with an eating disorder, that's so difficult. Um, it's like, again, to 
compare it to a different type of addiction it would be like an alcoholic walking into a room and there's you know bottles of alcohol all over the table so it has opened my eyes to how much food is kind of thrown in our faces um i hadn't realized for the longest time and now i'm being a lot more aware of that certainly so and i think awareness is is the key both for ourselves but for others as well because something that comes to mind i remember speaking to um a loved one, someone very close to me who often spoke about uh, self-image as well and, and, and the weight. Mm. And they said something that stuck with me very much. And, and she said that, ironically, when pe- when she did lose weight through her own, um, through mm. her own exercise and, and dieting and through her own purposely trying to do that to be, to be healthier, she noticed that people often yeah. would say, oh, you've lost weight, you, you look a lot better and, and the mentors are compliment they're trying to, yeah. to, to positively reinforce that but in a weird way it made her walk away from him and thought well was it not did I not look good before did I look yeah did I not look pretty when I, were, I was bigger absolutely and this is weird almost yeah. by accident re- again reinforcing that 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 image and that self-culture yeah. um, rather than saying you know it, it's so good to see you be healthy or you tear this choice and make it that you look well you look well yeah they're just saying that oh you look pretty you look better for this and isn't you're not better you are different and you're working towards something else and that's your choice yeah exactly that reminds me actually a conversation I had with a colleague on Thursday around this that um you know sometimes when you are a bigger person and you're overweight and you could be engaging in eating disorder behaviors, but people are praising you for it because you're bigger. Um, you know, I had a comment once when I was really in the depths of my eating disorder. I was so poorly. I I think I mentioned I had to go into hospital a few times because of the damage that was being done to my body. And I had a comment, keep doing what you're doing. You look great. Well, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm, I might end up dead, you know. Um, so it's really tricky to navigate that i i try and respond at the moment if people say oh you've lost weight i go yeah i'm feeling really healthy right now or try and deflect it in some way because it's not about weight loss and i think again that's the thing if you tell people you're in treatment it's kind of like oh are you are you losing weight then and it's like no it's not linked to weight at all it's about my well-being um but i really appreciated the colleague that i had this chat with he came into the office and said you look really well and I was like, I just have to stop you and say thank you because that really means a lot to me because it's not linked to my weight. It's linked to, yeah, I'm looking after myself. I'm exercising. I'm eating well. I'm sleeping enough. And that's what it's about. It's not about my weight at all. Um, but it's hard. You know, it's hard when you get those comments of people going, oh, you look fantastic. You've lost weight to not latch onto that and go, I must keep doing this to keep getting that validation from people that I don't really care. Well, I do care about them, but you know, people whose validation I shouldn't care about. Um, yeah. And I think that really links well to my my next question, which is about what what good mental health looks like. And, and I feel like you touched upon it there, that it's about gain, gaining validation from yourself, from within, rather than externally. It's about knowing the difference between what is something you want to do for yourself and something that is the the disorder kind of on that or something that is, is being kind of pressured onto it uh, what would you say is, is is good mental health what does that look like so for me I think it's balance I think 
there's an idea that to have good mental health, every day needs to be a good day. And actually what I'm learning is that every day being a good day probably isn't mentally healthy either. Um, and actually, yeah, sometimes I have a bad day and sometimes my eating doesn't go to plan or my mood is down. But what makes it good mental health is that the next day I can get up and, and have a good day. And so, you know, it's not one bad day continuing on to be six months of bad days, which it has been in the past. It's okay. It's been a bad day. Tomorrow is going to be different. Or even actually, as my therapist said once, it's not even a bad day. It's a bad moment. Why are you writing off the whole day? Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's good mental health is just having balance. It's not, you know, indulging too much or overly restricting or being super happy or being super sad. It's just about kind of going with the flow and taking those ebbs and flows in mood or eating or anything and managing them and and not being so strict on myself and thinking that everything has to be perfect. I like that's recognizing that it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. If all our days are good days then technically no days would be good days, right? You kind of need some of those worst days to make you really appreciate when something's good. So it's just how you yeah, bounce back from those not so good ones, I think. Certainly so, certainly so. We're coming towards the end of our episode today and it's been absolutely amazing speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. It's absolutely wonderful to, to hear people's stories. With the last kind of few minutes of the episode, is anything that you would want people to be, be left with when, when listening to this episode? Yeah, I think if anyone was listening and they were struggling with an eating disorder, um, the most important thing I've learned in this past year is that honesty is, it's magic. It's really like the key to unlock everything. Um, the moment I started being honest with myself, with other people, that's really when my recovery started. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I was struggling with a binge eating disorder and there was so much shame attached to that. It's, you know, you've, you that's what keeps it going is that shame. And um, the minute I started opening up to my partner and to my friends and going, I've just had a binge. How can you help me? It, it's terrifying to do, but it was so important. And it made me realize, like, how many people are there to support me. Um, so I think it's really scary, but it's also amazing to see how many people show up for you when you start talking about it, which is one of the reasons I'm doing this today, you know, is we're never going to get to a point where it's less stigmatized if people don't talk about it and I'm in a really good position that I can um which I'm happy about yeah don't be afraid to speak out to talk about it and, and if you're yeah. someone who it's not impacted yourself being you're around someone who has you know speak to them talk to them be open to the conversation mm. great message to, to yeah. leave on uh, I want to thank you again for coming on today it's been great yeah thanks so much for having me uh, I'm so happy I'm going to get to have my own episode <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for you to listen to it. <laughs> well, thanks again. Take care of yourself. <laughs> thanks very much. That's it for this week. Massive thank you to our guest. So we hope to see you next time. But in the meantime, if you or someone you know needs help, then contact us at linkingleads.com. Alternatively, you can give us a call on 0113. Three three six seven six one two. Thanks. <laughs>